he doesn't really drive this movie and the movie is called elvis <laughs> welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies shows and music from two people you can definitely trust trustability varies by region no guarantee is implied Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. We've got ceramic and titanium, some for home, some for travel, wide plates for long weaves, short plates for thinking about going all natural. Boy, please, those look old. These are from the cosmetology school after just one class. Out the box, but not quite out of gas. They use the best to teach the worst to become the best, and the best is right here, and that's what you deserve, so forget the rest. I mean, come on, people. Hello. How's everybody doing? This is Recotopia episode 21. Um, today's big recommend is going to be blind spotting. Um, and um, yeah, how, how's, how's everybody's July 4th weekend? Huh? Yeah. How was that? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I had an okay one. Uh, I'm, I think Jeremy's with me here. Uh, we don't watch fireworks. We're not a fireworks. Yeah. We're not fireworks yeah. fans. No. Um, used to be a long time ago when I was a kid and then then after a while i was like you know what i've seen this i've seen fireworks i don't need to see them anymore yeah yeah so. i mean they were much more fun when i was a kid and i think if i had kids it might be different yeah um but i mean I, even as an adult i never went downtown but i have watched the nashville fireworks which mm-hmm. are supposed to be the best in the nation uh, a few times on tv it's awesome it's neat mm-hmm. it's cool yeah yeah been there done that um <clears throat> You know, we, we, my wife and I, we grilled out on the third because yeah. we're weird like that. Mm-hmm. And on the fourth, we had leftover grill out. Hey, that's, <laughs> so. that's pretty awesome. Um, but anyway, acknowledging the chat out there, I see a lot of familiar names over there uh, uh, listening to us early on a Tuesday uh, before this comes out, you wonderful Patreon people. Um and uh, but anyway, what uh, what uh, you have some uh, like some sh- small recommends that you want to talk about? Okay, it's no big deal. It's so small and light. It's small. It's tiny. It's petite. It's wee. I've actually it's been a long time, several episodes since I was this excited mm-hmm. because both my smalls and the big recommend I adore. So okay, my first small recommend is a TV show on Hulu uh, that has just recently come out called The Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a show with a few faces you'll recognize, but I bet you won't know their names. Mm-hmm. Um, the lead is uh, Jeremy Allen. Um, yeah, and, Jeremy uh, Allen White. Oh, yeah, Jeremy Allen White, and then Eben Moss Bachrock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> who was on Richie, Girls? Yeah, who was on Girls? Yeah. Um, this is a show about a guy who was the chef de cuisine in the best restaurant in America. Um, working under a hilarious, evil Joel McHale. Mm-hmm. Um, and his brother dies. Now, I want to caution you right now, there's pl- plenty of frank talk about suicide in this show because his brother committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that's a trigger, like the discussion of it for you, then I would avoid the show. But it's not graphic or gratuitous. Um, so the main character, uh, Carmi, uh, Carmen, um, played by Jeremy Allen White, decides to come home and run his brother's restaurant, the original beef of Chicago. They serve Italian beef sandwiches, 
and fries, uh, but he wants to elevate things a little bit. Not necessarily bring fine dining to a small hole in the wall, but just do better than dirty, greasy food. Mm -hmm. Um, But he has to butt heads with literally everybody who works at this place. Uh, There's resistance from everyone to change. But one thing I love about the early episodes of this show is how all these people who are skeptical or downright antagonistic about him will follow behind him and when no one's looking, take a bite of his food and Mm. just, oh my God. Mm -hmm. Um, And he slowly wins people over. Uh, There's a gal named Sydney who is a big fan of his cooking, played by Ayo Adebiri. Um, She's also uh, a stand-up comic. Oh, really? Um, I didn't know that. Yeah. And she studied at the Culinary Institute of America, but she really loves this guy's cooking, and she wants to help him turn around this restaurant. She wants her food to mean something and make a difference. And I don't really want to spoil where the show goes. Uh, I will say I was expecting a little more comedy, um, but this leans more into the drama. There are plenty of hilarious moments, but mm-hmm. it's more dramatic than I expected. Now, you started this show, right, Chris? Yeah, and then I told you about it. <laughs> Oh, You're, and, uh, and told you that I was watching it, and then <laughs> and I have right. not finished it. Right, but I was I was letting the the listeners know that you had started. The show. Yeah, 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 yeah. I started. I it. have. I've now finished. Go ahead. You heard of it? Yeah, I um, I I, I just I can't remember uh, what was happening. I think I just went to Hulu randomly and I saw this show. We had heard about it before, but um i was like oh it's oh it's on now and so we i went ahead and watched the first three episodes of it and i watched the last i watched another two recently so i got about three left uh but yes uh the what hooked me to this show was in the first episode when there's a group of uh, comic book or like dungeons and dragons (laughs) nerds or something outside and uh, they're all like demanding food and all this other stuff. And the the guy who was in Girls is playing this like really rough around the edges uh, character or whatever. Uh, calls them a bunch of incel QAnon Snyder Cut motherfuckers. <laughs> and and, and uh, I was like, okay, okay, these are the people who wrote this are my people. Uh, and so um, so that uh, that was it. But like the. It just like any like good, um, you know, food movie or show or whatever, it like shows you like what the dedication is to to making it. This the the girl that you're talking about, who's the sous chef in this, um, you get the sense that she's a genius or a burgeoning genius because she mm. keeps having flashes of like food and or like ideas in her head. There's even a part in the in one of the episodes where they lose power to the to the restaurant and she figures out a way to cook meals without the power Mm -hmm. and uh so like you're just seeing this like burgeoning like she's gonna be like amazing at some point like like she already probably is but like she's gonna be at the point where she's like gonna want to run her own restaurant um but like uh that's another thing that was a you, you said people keep on sneaking you know tastes of his food yeah. There's a point where she has she's butting heads with this woman who's been a, a cook back in this in this restaurant for like you know 30 years or something like that. And they yeah. keep butting heads because the experience versus the 
you know, versus the uh, the knowledge is going on. And there's a point where she messes something up and goes over and like pours it into a sink. And then when she comes back, there's already a new one set on the stove. And she's like, why did you do that? And he's like, I don't have time to fuck around is what she says or whatever. <laughs> and, and you're like, welcome. <laughs> and you're welcome. And then she like, she, the, the, the older lady like tastes it and she's like, oh, oh shit. This is way better than what I was making. You know, maybe I should take this girl's advice and stop being such a hard on about everything. So, yeah. um, yeah, that's the kind of show this is. It's really fun. You also have Oliver Platt in here uh, in mm -hmm. a couple episodes as a sort of lone shark father figure. Um, it's actually it, he's in two episodes that I I think that I'm aware of, uh, mm -hmm. but they don't really ever spell out his relationship to Carmi or his his deceased brother. Uh, there's love there, but uh, he also loaned the brother like hundreds of thousands of dollars that now this uh still living brother has to find a way to repay which leads to some humorous yeah i get the sense it's like an uncle because there's a point where they he says he says we had we were about the same age we were more friends than family yeah so they're family but maybe they're cousins something like that yeah. maybe it's not maybe maybe it's not an uncle it's like cousins or something which is which is complicated because in the kitchen uh, Carmi and Richie will call each other cousin, yeah. even though they're technically not related. Right. Um, <clears throat> it's just cousin is a is a term of endearment. Uh, but mm -hmm. I loved this show. Uh, I was riveted. I never knew where it was really going to go. The, there's a seven minute unbroken shot monologue in the final episode that's mm -hmm. incredible, mm -hmm. and then the episode ends with it's just wild. Uh, and if this show doesn't get a second season, uh, I'll be very disappointed because the ending, while not a cliffhanger, is clearly set up to go, uh, we're going to flip everything on its head next season. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, I just I can't recommend this show enough, especially if you like cooking shows or mm -hmm. um, you know, food shows like Top Chef and um, Hell's Kitchen. Any of that stuff pushes your buttons. I think you'll like this show. It's on Hulu. Yeah. It's called The Bear. Yeah uh yeah good stuff um uh i i've so I, I continue to watch movies that i don't particularly like are not like hugely fond of um uh the the stuff that's coming out in theaters the like the box office is a huge success story this summer because all mm -hmm. these movies that were helped put on hold are coming out and they're finally like getting their getting you know the eyeballs minions did this amazing amount of business over the weekend a lot of yeah. people are talking about you know the black phone and whatever and i didn't like the black phone that much can't recommend it um uh, but uh, one that I can I can give a light recommend to I give it a light recommend because come on guys it's not this good it's Elvis, um, okay. um, Elvis is Elvis is good but it's your typical biopic and it's well it's a typical biopic that actually in some areas doesn't. Uh, like Austin Butler is amazing as Elvis. Everybody's mm. talking about how great this guy is and this is a star making performance, but he doesn't really drive this movie and the movie is called Elvis. He is <laughs> he is he is good. He is he's exceptional as Elvis. In fact, it you know doesn't come off caricature or anything like that. He's exceptional, but uh it's mainly Colonel Tom Parker 
the Tom Hanks character that drives this narrative because he's telling the story from his perspective. I did not use Elvis. I did not abuse him. Blah, 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 blah. Tom Hanks playing the villain is kind of a funny thing and he and this fat suit and makeup is is borderline ridiculous uh it's 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 almost too funny um but uh but uh the thing about elvis was i really wanted to know just like bohemian rhapsody did Mm -hmm. earlier i really wanted to know what made this guy tick as a musician they show his influences. They show him in rural Mississippi living in a predominantly black neighborhood and picking up things and even stealing a lot of things. They make a very big point to say that, yeah, he kind of stole some shit. But, you know, they didn't it they don't show like what you know they don't show his, how he ticks as a musician and how he, you know, how he's driven to that and it's really mainly about how this guy was treated poorly by tom parker the whole time they might as well have called this colonel tom parker even though Mm. it's it's not you know it's not like tom hanks is in every scene or anything it's just that uh i just if the the movie's about elvis i want to know what makes elvis tick i don't really want to know what makes tom parker tick i know what this is like straight out of compton all over again basically Mm. paul giamatti Mm. character um uh so Anyway, uh, Elvis is good. I will say this. Baz Luhrmann's kind of back into his old, uh, you know, what he used to do with Moulin Rouge and stuff, the the fun kind of colors and edits and stuff like that that he does. He does that for a while, then it, then it just, uh, you know, devolves into a walk the line biopic by that biopic by that point. But, mm. um, but uh, you know, performances are good uh very interestingly told just wish i would just wish i knew more about elvis uh mm. what he what he what he was about uh during that movie so um, well you, my cats are trying to break into my office if you can hear that i, I heard them they, yes i thought they might be my cats so um i'm trying to keep them out because uh my wife's gonna get home in a little bit and make some noise so i really need that door shut today mm-hmm. uh uh yeah, I have very little interest in this. Um as I typically do with biopics. Is this Lerman's first movie since Gatsby? Hmm. Did he take like a 10-year break? I don't think it was that long. There had to have been something else. Uh um I feel like there was one other thing he did. Uh You're probably maybe... right. It's not a guy who works very regularly. No, 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 he doesn't. Um uh I'm looking it up right now just to make All sure. Right uh you know the the good the good old uh radio thing there uh no it is it is the first one he's done first feature length movie since great Gatsby. yes wow so nine years um that must have been he must have made lots of gatsby monies (laughs) i guess i don't know if that movie did anything that great Gatsby. i don't think it did no um yeah that one of the games i recommended a few episodes ago several episodes ago that uh wordle type games for movies was called actorly mm-hmm. or actoral um and that game i always play uh based on frequency of work right like mm-hmm. if i see 15 movies like between 2000 and 2020 i know it's not leonardo dicaprio because that guy doesn't work that often mm-hmm. uh, so i can usually trim down like a third of all actors just because they just they don't work that often mm-hmm. Anyway, <clears throat> all right, my second recommend is a film from 2016 that I only recently got around to. It's on Hulu if you have a paid um, 
subscription. It's called Colossal. Yeah, um, good stuff. And this is this was on Stars the other day. Whatever, whatever channel it was, oh, HBO. Um, they followed it with Pacific Rim, and I thought, <laughs> what a genius That's double amazing. feature. <laughs> Colossal is uh, a very strange movie, but once you get over the strange, it's a very interesting uh, mm-hmm. film where Anne Hathaway discovers that if she goes to this one park in her hometown, a kaiju monster appears in Tokyo? I think so, yeah. And, no, is it Seoul? It's a large city, yes. And uh, she can control this kaiju, and she's playing around, showing her friends, like the second or third time she does it, and she falls... Uh, and realizes that she just killed a bunch of people mm-hmm. uh, over in this other place, and it, it devastates her. And then Jason Sudeikis, who's one of her buddies, he's an asshole in this He's movie, such a dick. Comes to her and says, um, I also was in there, and shows her news footage. There's a robot that appears when he's in the playground with her, and she falls down. And he's like, so I'm responsible for these deaths as much as you are. It's soul, by the way, not Okay. Soul. Uh, thank you, Slab. Um, and uh, then the movie flips because Sudeikis is obsessed with Anne Hathaway. They were childhood friends. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't necessarily want to be with him. And I don't know if I want to say anything else. It's a six-year-old movie, but if you haven't seen it, I think where it goes from there uh, is worth preserving for you. Um, but I just hearing the pitch... Uh, kept me away from this movie for too long because I thought it was just too far out there. Uh, and it's a, it's a goofy concept, but it's there for a reason. And then mm-hmm. it starts playing at some really interesting human emotions. Uh, I thought Anne Hathaway was fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim Blake Nelson is also in it. He's playing Tim Blake Nelson, but he's always good. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this was a movie that came out before the Ted Lasso days where we were praising Sudeikis. And uh, I remember watching this going, man, I didn't know Sudeikis had this in him because every time I'd seen him, like in Horrible Bosses and stuff like that, he's yeah. always playing a comedic asshole or just, you know, some kind of, you know, it's always comedy or whatever. This is. I think a little bit of comedy, but then it just turns into just very dead serious asshole Ari at that point, you know. Uh, so yeah, he, this is one of my first like Jason Sudeikis can do anything type of movies. So um, yeah, I even saw a drama. I don't remember the name of it um, with him and uh, Rebecca Iron Man. <laughs> <laughs> Is that? I don't know. <laughs> it's not Ferguson. Rebecca, Rebecca Hall. Hall. Yeah, it's Rebecca Hall. It's like a drama where like she has a dead husband or something, and he's writing a book about him. Or but it's uh, it was good, but Sudeikis mm-hmm. was not trying to be funny. He was mm-hmm. just playing straight drama, and it was really good. Yeah. Um. So the other um the other um uh, movie that I've seen on the big screen recently, and I don't know if you can uh find it on the big screen because it was a 40 year anniversary of the thing um the uh john carpenter movie that um it did not do well back in 1982 but it also we talked about how top secret came out during a summer 
uh, where there was a ton of stuff. 1982, The Thing came out during the middle of that E.T. poltergeist, uh, whatever. It was like a big, huge month in 1982 that The Thing came out, and it did not do well. This movie has become better and better and better every time I watch it. Um, uh, it's just one of those, uh, just very well done suspense alien flicks. Um, and, um, this came out, uh, on a big screen for fathom events. Now they had a famous or infamous first screening where it was in the improper aspect ratio. So a lot of people were upset on the first show. I uh, managed to see this after they corrected the issue. So ah, um, okay. it looked uh, it looked brilliant on a big screen. Um, if you've never seen the thing, uh, it's uh, it's about these. Um, God, I'm trying to remember what their actual work is down in uh, when because they're in Antarctica. Um, yeah. And I can't some kind of research. Yeah, it's got to be some sort of research. The very beginning of the movie, you see this dog running through the snow and a helicopter chasing it and uh, people shooting at the dog. And you're like, oh, no, don't shoot the dog. What are you doing? Why is this shooting the dog? And um, and uh, and then it, when they when they land, they they're they're wildly shooting at the dog in this American camp and then they get killed in the process so they are unable to tell the story as to why they were chasing this dog um soon after you start seeing like the dog uh, they go they throw the dog in a kennel and the dog all the other dogs start barking and then suddenly some really wild shit starts happening uh like tentacles and and various alien paraphernalia starts coming out of this one dog and huh. um and uh uh it gets to the point where uh, this is something that they can transfer over to humans and the humans will, the, there'll be an alien in, inside of a human body and you can't tell who's, who, who's an alien and who's not because they act just like, uh, th just like they did before. And they have this whole thing where there's a big paranoia type of thing going on here where it's like, you're probably one of them or you're not. And like, they try to figure out who it is. How, they're trying to figure out techniques on how to, how to do it. So there's a lot of paranoia and mistrust all the way through it. Wil Wilford Brimley plays a character who right off at the beginning understands the gravity of the situation. He puts it in this very hilarious 1982 computer where he's just like, you know, typing in like, <laughs> what do I want to know? And then it's like, it just tells you what you want to know. Like you can ask any question and it knows like a regular AI or whatever, like exactly <laughs> what you mean. And he finds out that there's a 75% chance that everybody's been infected with this thing uh, or that anybody's been infected with this thing. So he's immediately Immediately starting off trying to sabotage everything that's going on because he knows that you can't allow anybody to get off of this get off of antarctica or else it just spreads throughout the world at that point if they if they allow anybody uh out of this hmm. so wilford brimley right off the bat is like smashing up radio transmissions and destroying things and whatever but that also casts a lot of suspicion on him as someone who's you know one of the aliens um the practical effects of what happens to somebody when there's a reveal that they're one of the, that they're the thing or whatever are some of the most imaginative, gross, terrific, uh, special effects there are in movies, uh, because there's just some absolutely insane, 
stuff that happens uh, when they when these people are uh, when they show the tra- the they when they reveal themselves. It's a lot of like body parts going one way, and you know, just a lot of different kind of like gross kind of stuff. But it's amazing to watch on film. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but the animal is inside out and it exploded, <laughs> and it exploded. Um, but uh, but the the uh, the ending of this movie. I won't tell you who, I mean, you probably can guess who's going to be still around by the end of this movie, but you know, uh, there's a couple of characters left and they're both trying to figure out what do they need to do. And, uh, the ending of this movie is just so quietly chilling and just sort of like, that is the perfect ending to this movie. Just absolute perfect. Uh, I don't know. This has definitely developed a huge following over the years. Uh, Tarantino, I think, even patterned the Hateful Eight uh, around the thing um, back in the day, back in a few a few years ago. Uh, but this movie just gets better and better every time I watch it. Yeah, this is one of those movies that Jeremy only ever watched because Chris recommended it to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved it. I've seen it about three times. Mm-hmm. I was actually having a conversation with our friend Patrick last week, late one night, about recasting the Fantastic Four, and we were mostly talking about actors that could play uh, <clears throat> the main guy. And uh, <laughs> he went to bed, and the next morning, his first message to me is, The Thing, with Michael Ironside's voice. Mm-hmm. And my head cannot get to Fantastic Four. My head immediately goes to this movie. Yeah, yeah. With Kurt Russell, and I'm like, is Patrick saying they should remake The Thing but use Michael Ironside's voice yeah. for the creature? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just yeah, could not. I ended up having to say, I feel like there's a conversation you're referencing that I don't remember. And he was like, just you know, scroll up and you'll see what we're well, talking about. Well, and yeah, I mean, it's the same deal with the conversation that happens in uh, Reservoir Dogs where Tim Roth is like, guy looks like the thing. The man looks like the thing. And he's talking about the thing from Fantastic Four. But, you know, like, for a lot of us, uh, the thing <laughs> is is the John Carpenter movie. There was there's a there's a, a a reference in the chat to the sequel, which I believe is actually the prequel because that's the one that had Mary Elizabeth Winstead in it, and it talks about the uh, it's not is it Swedish? It's Swedish or Finnish base? I can't remember what it is, but that's the two people in the helicopter at the beginning who are shooting at the dog are from this other base and they go uh, investigate that base and you see a lot of like stuff that has happened and they're like, Oh, what the fuck happened here? Then you in this uh, prequel, you see what that's, you see that story. You see the Mary Elizabeth Winstead and I can't remember who else is in this movie. I just remember it being not as good, but who knows? Maybe that prequel, maybe I'll appreciate that prequel now better. I don't know. Uh, oh yeah. It might be Norwegian, might be Norwegian. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, uh, The Thing is excellent if you've never seen it. It's got a 40-year anniversary going around from Fathom Events. Don't know if it's still playing, but it doesn't matter. Find a copy of The Thing somewhere and watch it. Yes. It's way better than The Blob. It is way better than The Blob, yes. You and The Fog. The And The ooh, the Fog's good, too. That's another Carpenter movie. I know. I was, I was just trying to create drama. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Let's move on now mm-hmm. to this week's a big recommend. Yeah. This the week's big, big recommend. recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so 
big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Is a blind spotting. A mm -hmm. 2018 comedy, dramedy movie with incredibly deep shit to say about mm -hmm. race mm -hmm. and identity and gentrification and consequences for our actions. Um, it's, every time I watch this movie, it feels more important. Mm -hmm. um, you can watch it one time through and just enjoy it as a movie. And it, that's great. You don't ever have to do anything more than that if you don't want to. It works on that level just fine. Uh, very Shakespearean with its language play. Um, but if you, if you want to dig deeper, uh, this, this movie is very intentional. Uh, it opens with a montage of the city of Oakland. Mm -hmm. And even in that montage, you can see how much gentrification has taken place. And then they, they're movers, right? Mm -hmm. Colin and Miles, uh, best friends, the stars of this movie, are movers. Colin has just gotten out of jail uh, for about 11 months and has three or four days left on his probation in a halfway house, and then he's a free man. So he's just trying to stay out of trouble. Mm -hmm. The first scene we see with them, the car they're riding in, the driver has six guns in the car. Yeah. And Colin is immediately like, look, I'm not trying to go back to jail. Just let me get out of this car. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> they're movers. Um, Colin's ex-girlfriend is the dispatcher. Uh, and Miles is just insane. Miles is just, he is likes to fight guy, as Jim mm. Rome used to say mm -hmm. <laughs> on his radio show. Yeah. He's always looking for some kind of problem. He's got a huge ass chip on his shoulder. And he gets a scene where he sort of gets to explain why. And it's complicated, man. Mm -hmm. uh, because the, a lot of the behaviors, a lot of his appearance um, to another black character in the film look like gentrification. Look mm -hmm. like a white man, you know, being a culture vulture, he even says. Yeah. But Miles grew up in Oakland. He grew up with Colin. He's He is as Oakland as Colin is. His skin color is just different. Mm -hmm. uh, and that can change how things work in this world. Yeah. Uh, so an early scene, they go to Wayne Knight um, Newman's uh, house mm -hmm. to uh, to move some of his artwork. He takes photographs. Um, and there's a photograph he shows him. He's like, this is a series I did where I superimposed oak trees over the houses in Oakland where those trees used to exist. Mm -hmm. Because you don't often stop and think about, oh, Oakland was named because there were lots of huge oak trees. Right. And they tore those trees down in the building of this city, just as the white people moving in and gentrifying are tearing down the black people yep. who were the roots of this community. He even mm -hmm. says there used to be oak trees all over. Now you just see them on the street side. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> God, I love this fucking movie. Mm -hmm. um, this was my sixth or seventh viewing. Um, and I just love everything that it has to say and, and how it gets there and how fresh and unique its perspective seems to be. Yeah. How, the, how uh, what was this for you? How many times have you seen this? This is my third at least. Uh, could be fourth. But um, you know, taking the oak tree thing even further here on this, the, there's even a point where they go to that guy's house and the party and he's using an, an, an authentic Oak tree that was cut down as a coffee table 
that you just can't put anything on because <laughs> because it's you know whatever and 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 that that's uh, that oak tree thing then continues on in the big rap scene at the end that oak tree metaphor continues at the very end uh very satisfyingly uh into that 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 amazing scene that we always talk about with blind spotting mm-hmm. um so yeah uh the the and and then the you know the discussion of blind spotting itself in this is an interesting phenomenon cuz they uh, they bring up a picture that ha- you know the two faces or a vase, and mm. if you if you think it's a vase at first, and someone tells you it's two faces, you can only see the vase. Uh, like you can't see it both ways, which I think is a weird bias because I've always I felt like I've always been able to see that it could be either one, but mm. I guess it's a sort of a bias that people have that if you see one thing one way, so a lot of people in this movie see Colin as a convicted felon. That's what mm-hmm. they see him as, even though you can see that in general, he's a good dude. And he had one instance where something happened where somebody was an asshole to him and he got into a fight and his buddy gets into the fight with him. And because of things out of his control, of course he's the only one that goes to jail out of all of this. Yep. Which is another thing that you know that we're talking about with, um, we're, we're talking about with um, God, I'm just thinking of the name Miles. Um, oh, when yeah. you're thinking about Miles, uh, the same thing happens for him. That a lot of people see him as uh, like uh, people in the neighborhood who he regularly interacts with sees him as one of them. Mm-hmm. But when he goes to that party, and you talked about this. He's they've already had the setup where there's this dude, this white dude who's holding a party for about 150 white people is what the, is what is what the, the what the the snide remark is and three black people, and um and uh he he he's throwing this party and he's saying all this phony ass shit. He's even got the same tattoo he's he's from portland and he's got a california tattoo with the star where oakland is and uh he's like we got the same tattoo talking to miles and uh all this stuff so it's all this is set up where it's like this dude is is fake this guy's a fake guy a fake oaklander or whatever and and then so when it becomes to that point where one of the black people who don't know miles interacts with him and Miles is doing his usual stuff that he always does. This is him. This is Oakland. That guy thinks he's another fake white guy. Mm. And uh that's another it's it's a that blind spotting thing comes throughout this whole thing. He that guy can only see Miles as this one thing. Everybody else sees him as this other thing. And then it comes culminates in that great conversation later after the all the stuff that happens at the party where, you know, David Diggs is telling him you know i call you the n-word all the time uh why is that cool that i do that and why can't you tell why can't you call me that and uh and and when things happen you're the one they're looking for but they are always the one they're always coming after me why is that yep yeah so yeah the, the flashback to that fight that put him in prison is incredible because it it is so funny it's, and then it's it is so, funny. so scary mm-hmm. but the guy i've seen this guy in a couple different things the guy telling the story is hilarious mm-hmm. um, he refers to the the white gentrifying <laughs> guy with the the 
piranha drink. He calls it Topher Grace, Neil Patrick Harris, yeah. and Portlandia. Yes. All when telling the story. And then there's a <laughs> shot where Miles is kicking the dude on the ground, and it cuts to Miles' face while he's kicking, and he goes, I hate my dad. Now, dude, seriously, that I hate my father is one of my favorite parts of that story. There's a thing, you know, we've we've seen this, of course, with the Michael Pena character in Ant Man, where where he tells the story about how all this stuff happened. He he's it's in his voice, but everybody else is doing the stuff. And this is, yeah. of course, Drunk History was what made that really popular. Drunk History was the was the catalyst for this being a really funny, uh, you know, um, uh, technique to tell stories where it's not, it's, it's always in this guy's in the person's voice who's telling it, but everybody else is acting it out as what that guy has said, but that I hate my father and I'm dying (laughs) laughing. And that's one of the things about this movie is that there's a lot of like, like really like funny stuff in this, like really funny stuff. When he goes, when Miles goes to sell all those like curling irons oh, into yeah. the in the I mean that's just a great just comedic scene uh and you're like this is a a movie about racial injustice and and fitting in and you know like gentrification and all this other stuff and in the middle of it there's stuff like this where like you know he's selling curling irons or whatever he's like how much did you pay for that curling iron 140 dollars well this is worth at least a third of that. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, that that party guy who hosts the party and has the tattoo. I, I feel like every major city probably has something like this, but this movie makes me think of East Nashville mm-hmm. because when I first moved to town, East Nashville was considered a not safe place to live. It is right. where I lived, mm-hmm. and the Kroger was run down, scary, uh, and. Over the last 24 years, that neighborhood has almost entirely gentrified Mm -hmm. to this hipster white. You see, and I know people that live there who are white. I'm not trying to rag on everybody who lives there. Mm -hmm. I was white and I lived there. But now there's this sort of white pride in East Nashville Mm -hmm. that, you know, 22 years ago, there was like white shame. You would like not, you wouldn't want to go into East Nashville. And now it's like one of the hottest places to live. Yep. Uh, that, that's what this movie is about. I think mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day, there's, I mean, there's lots of stuff. There's, you know, police brutality and how police react to white people versus black people. Uh, but at its core, I think what this movie is saying about race is that white people are very good about eroding the history and the roots of places and people who came before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, that's, talk- it's typified in that one moving scene that they go to that just like rundown house. And this girl's yes. on the, on the phone and she's like, ha ha ha, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, she's like, Oh yeah, just take everything out of here. She's talking about hollowing out the house and doing all this new renovation and all this other stuff. And then, and then she goes to the movers and he's like, ah, you can take everything out of there. It's no problem, whatever. And, oh yeah. Also there's a sailboat and she's like, okay, bye. You know, but basically, <laughs> Um, and, and, and it's, and it's just, you know, this is not something, this is not Oakland, you know, this is to them anyway, this is the new, uh, incoming Oakland essentially. Even after that fight at the party where he fired, well, before he fires the gun, the owner of the house comes out and he's like, get out of here. And Miles is like, get out of where? Mm -hmm. Cause at that point he's talking about Oakland and he's like, you get the fuck out, man. Mm -hmm. Um, and that gun, man, this is. 
my current favorite Chekhov's gun ever mm-hmm. uh, because it pays off four different times. Like Chekhov's gun is, if you show us a gun in the first act, it has to be fired by the end of the third mm-hmm. act, or I forget the exact lingo, but mm-hmm. you have to show us the gun. And, and they show us the gun. Miles buys it in the very first scene. He buys one of the sick guns in that Uber driver's car. Mm-hmm. Uh, <clears throat> and even right then, Colin's like, this is a bad idea. Why are you buying a gun? So then the first time that it pays off as a Chekhov's gun is when uh, Miles' little kid finds the gun. Mm-hmm. And they come back into the room, and he's standing there holding the gun. And it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Then... It pays off again when Miles pulls the gun off at that party and fires it into the air. Mm-hmm. Then they go and argue, and Colin takes the gun from him. Which is super, super dangerous for him. Yes, and then he's walking home, and a cop car pulls up and shines its brights on him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm screwed. Mm-hmm. I'm literally on my last day of probation. I'm carrying a gun that I don't own or have registration for. I'm black. I'm alone at night. Mm-hmm. And they somehow miraculously get called to some other call and take off. And then finally, the final scene, when they're going to move Ethan Embry's stuff, and he sees the picture and realizes this is the house of the police officer he saw shoot a black man in cold blood Mm -hmm. uh, earlier in the movie. And he's done. He goes down to the basement. The cop sees him, tries to lunge for his own gun, and Colin pulls out Miles' gun and points it at him for the Mm -hmm. next 12 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And... I feel like he's snapped to a place where he's going to make this one guy get it. Mm-hmm. He can't make everybody get it. I no. think he knows that. But I think he's like, this is my shot. I may go to jail for this, but I'm going to make this fucking guy understand that you cannot feel the fear until you're on the other end of mm-hmm. the gun pointing at you. And that the movie has done such a good job at this point of establishing their heightened form of language where, you know, the, the, Opening scene, we see them walking with, with quick way of sandwiches in there, doing a little bit of a, a, a pretend rap on the fly. And then when they're in that dilapidated house, they kind of make up some more raps. And then he sells that sailboat uh, using this fancy lingo. It's so funny. And he, he's explaining to, you know, Colin that you got to keep it, you know, got to keep it bouncy. You know, that they're more receptive to your message when, you know, it's more lyrical and yeah. then in that basement before he starts his rap he turns to miles and says you said keep it bouncy right mm-hmm. you know they, they like it better and he even says in the middle of the rap you know it's easier for you to understand when it's a rapping person mm-hmm. uh, than if i were to just try to get through to you with logic uh i just feel like the movie earns that final scene by well, everything it does intentionally. well certainly and and just think about the journey like now this movie has is is episodic in many ways and 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 uh, you know it's going from thing to thing the thread throughout it is that you know he's at this red light and and uh he's and and just as it turns green a man is running in front of his in front of his truck and uh is scared of something he doesn't and then Colin doesn't know what it is and then he sees the cop chasing after him uh cop says stop and then then, you know the guy says don't shoot don't shoot which brings uh later on when the kid says that that's the training there's pamphlets for this yeah don't shoot don't shoot didn't work for this guy and um and uh 
he gets shot down and this has this leads to a ptsd type of thing that's going through on throughout the whole movie there's a lot of there's a big sec like a thread that just keeps getting pulled through all, throughout this whole thing uh this ptsd and this guilt that he feels for not coming forward but he can't come forward he's only got these couple of days left and he doesn't think anything would happen anyway um he he explains very succinctly like you know to miles who's like why don't you just go and tell him or whatever and he's like oh i see i go and tell him that i saw this cop shooting him and then they're like oh by the way you're a convicted felon huh or whatever and then like okay my here's by the way here let me let's put you back in jail while we're at it you know um so he has this he has this ptsd and this guilt all the way throughout and, and it has there's a dream sequence in here where he's in a courtroom and and uh, there's this red light that keeps flashing in the back like that you know that's the where he was when this all happened was at a red light mm-hmm. uh miles is a uh, some sort of lawyer or whatever in in this dream and uh and he keeps seeing ethan Embry in it and and it's uh uh it's just it's just a sort of a heartbreaking thing to watch all the way through because he really wants to do more than what he's doing, uh, in this, uh, and he can't and, uh, or he can, but he doesn't think it would do any good. And that's probably true, man. There's so many things in this that I could probably talk about so many details in this, the, the, the point where his ex-girlfriend tells him to go to this one place and he says that's not oakland or that's not that's out of my that's out of my uh that's where that's the beyond the borders of where my parole allows me to go and he she goes it's in alameda county he's like trust me it's not yeah (laughs) yeah and so he if he's found there they're going to find some bullshit reason to say that he had crossed the border is basically what they what he's saying so yeah even that dream sequence you're talking about speaks to the difference in how people view him and Miles because he's the guy in the cuffs and the jumpsuit on trial and Miles is the guy in the suit who's a lawyer and mm-hmm. he gets to, he's the one that went to jail for the beating and Miles didn't get in any trouble mm-hmm. and I love the dynamic I love how both people close to him are trying to keep him safe from the other Val mm-hmm. thinks he should get distance from Miles Miles thinks he should get distance from Val uh, you know, Miles went to visit him every week when he was in prison, and Val didn't go at all. But Val says, "Well, he only went because he felt guilty." Yeah. Uh, God, that's just so. It's it, this movie is a damn onion, and if you are willing to peel, I believe you will find satisfaction uh, the deeper you go. Um, yeah. By the way, the chat is uh, is uh, making note of that great line when Colin is talking about why he doesn't go to the police, and it's like, "Hi, police! I'd like to report a murder you you committed." Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, that, that is a, just a fantastic line in this. Now they took both it. Now the, the primary stars of this, uh, David Diggs and uh, Raphael Casal wrote this screenplay. Um, and it took them nine years to do this. They did this actually, uh, not, it was like during the time of the Oscar Grant, killing on at fruitville station which of course has been made into a great movie on its own by ryan coogler starring michael b jordan um uh which would be and it's not going to be my secret double feature but it would be, make a fantastic double feature oh heck yeah um uh you know uh if if you wanted to but um 
but they wrote it during that time. Obviously, Miles, uh, Rafael Casal is not playing someone who is like himself at all in this, but he grew up in Oakland just like this guy did. And, um, and they, they, they were, he and David Diggs have been friends since they were 12 years old. So think about like how long this journey took them to write this and get it on screen and everything. Um, uh, I, I, I sometimes feel like if everybody had the chance to make their movie in three years, instead of like this, like, okay, we're going to make a movie. Okay. We got to get, got to get all this stuff. Got to do the, do this and do this and do this. We'd have so many more, we'd have fewer movies, but we'd have a lot more greater movies. Um, yeah. if that was the, if, if that was the case. And everything about this movie is intentional. Like if you, I recommend you go to the IMDB and read the trivia and see all the little intentional details. The structure is intentionally like Shakespeare. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, the quick way, which they, if you just watch this movie once, you might just think that's a cute little reference, but the quick way restaurants are part of the gentrification of Mm -hmm. Oakland. They were, they existed. uh, They were great. There were three of them. Everybody loved them. And then uh, they got bought by, a couple retired essentially, and they got bought by each of their managers. Mm-hmm. And they all changed, and then they all they came back, and it was different, and it wasn't any good. So all the time he's complaining throughout this movie about Quickway. Quickway doesn't deliver. They don't cater. Like he's complaining about gentrification. He's mm-hmm. not just mad about Quickway. Like that's yeah. a real restaurant that was really sort of unrooted by upheaval in Oakland. I just mm-hmm. I'm so impressed. And, you know, I hope they will make another film together at some point. But mm-hmm. my guess is they've got ideas and they're just percolating like this one did. Of course, David Diggs is very busy as an actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Rafael Casal is both in and uh, one of the creators of the spinoff television show, Blind Spot. Yep, yep. Which I have not yet personally gotten to see. Um, but I hear it's great. Um, but yeah, this is just such a, it's such a great debut feature yeah it's almost it's almost incredible it exists one other thing before we get into the uh the double feature but uh the other thing that i wanted to point out is colin's character throughout this whole movie uh at the very beginning is him trying to keep miles out of trouble like think about how many times this happens he's constantly like trying like you know the whole um a uh, turkey burger or real meat burger at the restaurant or whatever the the drive-in or wherever they're at and uh and he's like not everybody not everything's got to be a fight man not everything's gonna fight when they go to the grocery store and he pulls out that like healthy juice or whatever and he's like what the fuck is this and he's like ten dollars you know like what the why is this fucking ten dollars and colin ends up just buying the juice just just to get him to stop talking about it and you know just deflecting more of the hatred on him for even buying this juice uh so many times you can see him deflecting right at the beginning like every time uh every time miles gets to this point colin does a thing that's very subtle that cuts him off from doing more and the only reason he's not able to stop him at that party is because he doesn't even know that that's what who that dude's talking about when that guy comes back and relays the message that there's some white dude talking like he's from oakland in there and everything he doesn't make the two and two connection until uh, until later that's the only reason he's not able to get him out of that trouble and you think about how many other times miles is that close to be just popping off 
Yep. And and Miles and then Colin is there to stop it from happening. And then you see what happens when he's not there. So well, and then and then they have that fight, and and Miles is even like, "You didn't even have my back." And and Colin basically spends sixty seconds explaining all the different times he's had his mm-hmm. back. Yeah. And kept him out of trouble. Um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, we are. We talked about that for a long. Uh, yes, we did. Image. It is time for the surprise double feature, which is brought to us this week by Chris. Be very, very quiet. Secret. What secret? A dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. So there is, there's an obvious one. Uh, there's two obvious ones. Fruitville Station, which we talked about. Uh, the Hate You Give is another obvious one. Yeah. Uh, Hate You Give has a lot of... Uh, like some of the same elements uh in it um uh, especially the dynamic between the main character played by mandela sanford mandela what is her name forgot her name i know it's a mandela something um uh but um and sabrina carpenter plays one of her her best friends uh in that movie but um anyway um this uh I, I thought about this one for a while and I ended up on two Spike Lee movies. One that ends up not being it is the 25th hour, which okay. is the uh, Edward Norton has only a few days of freedom before he goes to jail. And he is trying to have one last like hurrah before he goes to jail. Um, uh, that one would fit pretty nicely, but I ended up on, he got game um, for this as, a, as a, um as a as a uh, as double feature and the and and you know we're always trying to find something that's not exactly like that same you know we we have come up with movies in the double feature before that are exactly like the ones or i wanted one that was a little bit different this one has different some different themes but you can still apply a lot of the blind spotting stuff to he got game uh especially in the character denzel washington plays because washington is in jail for an act that while heinous was certainly not something that he intended to do mm. uh, uh he is fighting with his son uh played by ray allen and in the middle of it the mother tries to get in the middle of it and he kills her it, on, by accident by shoving her away and and her you know uh getting in the middle of the violence so but he's in jail for that and and uh and that's and you know if you wanted to apply blind blind spotting rules to everything everybody sees denzel washington as a convicted felon all the way through mm-hmm. this now he's mm-hmm. no angel obviously he's kind of a dickhead even um because you see in flashbacks him pushing uh the jesus shuttle shuttlesworth character to the brink in in these basketball practices and stuff when they're when he's teaching him how to be a great ba- basketball player um but the whole story is is the the reason why i picked it is because there's a time element to this uh there's a is it the the governor of the state is a uh a big alumnus of some college that they want jesus shuttlesworth to go to um and he promises to uh either knock down years in the sentence or or outright free denzel washington if he's able to convince his son to go to this college and um and so like the whole thing like when he gets out 
uh, everybody's like, how are you out? Like you're, you know, you're, you're not up for parole or anything like that, but he's only got like what, 48 hours or something like mm. that to, to, uh, to convince his son to go to big state, which is the college in, in the movie. And, uh, of course, by the end of he got game, you know, the, the, it shouldn't surprise you sort of how this, how this plays out, but it, he got game is a great movie. Talk about a movie that, just builds in stature as as it goes along i don't think it was a big hit didn't get much academy love but you look at it now and it's just an outstanding film so uh i would put this on there it's not it's not like like fruitville station and he and and the hate you give are both like perfect double features for for this but if we were going to go a little bit a little bit off the beaten path let's go with he got game also if you're an nba fan you should watch it just for baby ray allen yes yeah you know right now you don't see a baby when you look at that guy but if you watch this movie you'll be like he's so young he's Mm. so i saw this movie in theaters baby um Mm -hmm. and i've only seen it one other time but i remember really liking it and Mm -hmm. i uh, i like that deep cut now do you have an assignment for our listeners for next week's episode i do this is going to be an interesting one as well uh and when i when i picked top secret a couple well but i guess it was about a month ago now um i was i was a little like i knew you hadn't seen top secret mm-hmm. so i was a little worried that maybe you wouldn't like this now i'm about to introduce another movie that you may not like but i love okay. personally um and it's called sorry to bother you uh oh. starring lakeith stanfield um, I have seen this. I oh, liked it. Okay, good. I am looking forward to watching it again. Uh, it's, you want to know what's crazy? On the IMDb trivia for Blind Spotting, it says that that movie and Sorry to Bother You were filmed at the same time in Oakland. Really? So you just picked a movie completely different, but filmed at the same time as the one we just talked wow. about. Wow. Had no That's idea. Me. No idea. Um, so, anyway, this is a movie. It's got a 6.9 on the IMDb, which is a decent rating. Um, uh, but this is the reason I'm picking it is that it is so offbeat and, and just so original in the way it presents its story, um, that it's something that demands to be watched more than once. When you watch it the first time, you you may be put off by the army hammer. Of course, army hammer is in this army hammer warning. Everybody, um, army hammer is in this and his character that he plays and what he is doing in this movie uh is something that you might go by the end of it you're like what the fuck was that and never give this movie another chance but i promise you if you watch this again you might find some things that you didn't notice the first time and um and i find this movie to be wonderfully offbeat and hilarious uh throughout and i can't wait to hear what your thoughts are on this movie um and uh, I'm hoping everybody out there gets a good look at Sorry to Bother You. It's on a few streaming services that I saw. Um, it's on I think Netflix it, for sure. I think it's on Hulu maybe, and it's also on Prime, and I think it might be rent a rental or whatever. But um, but uh, I, I really, really can't wait to see what the chat is saying about Sorry to Bother You and what you have to say about Sorry to Bother You. There's a lot of things to get into with that movie for sure so yeah. um so uh can't wait uh, yeah anyway. that's a good one i uh i don't think we have time for questions today we don't that just means we'll have more time for questions next time mm-hmm. and uh thank you everybody in the chat 
who came to watch and listen to us live. Uh, you guys are awesome. And mm -hmm. I hope that you enjoyed this discussion. And I hope that you will find Sorry to Bother You before next Tuesday at 11 Central Standard Time when we will record live for you, precious people, again. Those listening at home, if you'd like to join our live broadcasts, uh, go to Patreon and select the level that gives you access to this. I don't know what it is because I'm not very professional. Um, <laughs> but uh, you guys have a good, safe week, and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. See you, everybody. Bye. Bye. I got to click the button. Be a part of the live show by being a member of the Sin Club at Patreon at patreon.com slash cinemasins. Chat with us on the CinemaSins Discord at discord.gg slash CinemaSins or CinemaSins Twitter at CinemaSins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at CinemaSins.com. That's R-E-C-O-T-O-P-I-A at CinemaSins.com. Look at me, here I am, right where I belong. Anyway, sports are fun. Mm -hmm. The guy who came to tell me how expensive my air conditioners were going to be today, mm -hmm. um, he noticed that I had a disc golf basket uh, in my yard mm -hmm. and proceeded to tell me a lot of disc golf stories. No, really? Um, because he's a big disc golfer uh, and he used to play every day. Um, one of his former co-workers uh, is the kind that's good enough he can get aces. Uh, and then there's a course near here where there's a first hole. It's gettable. He says it's gettable mm -hmm. uh, for an ace. You just have to you just have to curl around the trees. Mm -hmm. um, and Amazing I was like, yeah. he got that far. He got that far talking about uh, a place that you've never been and you know <laughs> a first hole that's gettable and all just, that. Uh, he's a very nice guy, but he's one of those guys that he's just a talker and cable like, guy. Once he gave me the price, I was like. Can you just leave? Like, mm -hmm. I'm depressed now. But mm -hmm. he was, like, telling stories before letting me finally sign the thing. And nice guy. Super nice guy. Mm -hmm. Don't change. Don't change, buddy. <sighs> you saw about that guy who got eaten by an alligator while he was trying to find his disc from disc golf, right? No, I didn't hear that. <laughs> yeah, I think it was South Carolina. Mm -hmm. Waded into a pond uh, looking for a Not disc. And a gator got him. And... Uh, Yes, I only, I only know because somebody tagged Dicer on Twitter and was making a joke about it because he mm. knows Dicer's a disc golfer. Yeah, not <clears throat> not worth it. I I and I nearly myself just on a something that should it has no danger whatsoever was like about to just give up on finding that disc, but I had just enough time to go and like I like time I like put on set a timer. I was like, if it goes anywhere past this, then I'm just gonna give it up for lost. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I found it. I found it in like ten minutes. That's what they do in golf. Like in pro golf, they they have like I think it's three minutes uh, to find their ball once they get to where they think it is. Mm -hmm. uh, and I remember uh, one of the one of the stories about Bryson DeChambeau is that uh, somebody didn't find his ball fast enough. Uh, mm -hmm. Didn't find his ball in time. And of course, DeChambeau himself also did not find his ball. Mm -hmm. uh, but he berated like the PGA official guy who was there because that guy wasn't able to find the ball. Like, mm. You know, if you hit a ball into a place where it's hard to find it, you can't be mad at anyone who doesn't find it. Like, yeah. Be better at golf. Yeah. <laughs>